Exodus chapter 3. If you have your Bibles tonight and would like to turn with me, we'll see what the Lord has in store for us tonight. I'll do my best to be brief tonight. Exodus chapter 3, and I will begin with verse number 7. And the Lord said, Surely I have seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Frankfurtites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send thee unto Pharaoh, and thou, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I want to preach for a little bit tonight by the help of the Lord and by your help, hopefully, on the delivering power of the Lord. The delivering power of the Lord. God, we need your help tonight to preach what you have laid upon our heart. God, I pray that every distraction, Lord, be removed tonight, that your power and your presence may speak into our hearts tonight. Let every spirit, Lord, that is unlike you be cast down tonight. Let the Holy Ghost move among us. Let those, O oh Lord, that may be in need tonight, that may be... Uh, bound, that may be stressed, that may be struggling tonight. Let them find hope in the middle of their situation tonight, oh God, that you may deliver them and raise them and lift them and encourage them by your mighty and powerful hand. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. By the way, I want to give you a praise report. I know we probably didn't pray uh, corporately tonight before service. Uh, they would have been in service during time, but I contacted Gentry today and asked him how things went this morning in their first service. And uh, they had eight received the baptism of the Holy Ghost this morning in their service. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for praying for them. The Lord is doing great things and opening doors. Um, avenues and areas and ways that seem impossible, and uh, we're rejoicing in the Lord for that and to see what the Lord is going to do. I think God is setting uh, setting gentry up for something great for this fall season as he has some doors of opportunity open uh, for him to do some missions work, and uh, I know he has received an invitation to go to Guatemala as well as to Africa, already scheduled, going to be preaching a youth uh, conference 
in uh, Kenya, and then that will be followed by Holy Ghost Crusade and believe in the Lord for many, many, many souls receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so everything that God is doing between now and then is preparing Gentry for what God is going to do in the future, and I do appreciate your prayers and covet your prayers as as a, a father and a mother, of course, uh, knowing the dangers of the area in which that he will be going. Uh, it is always very, very stressful, but we know the hand of the Lord will be with him. And revival is upon us, and revival can't wait another day. It's got to happen now. And so the Lord's going to work all those things out according to his will and his plan. The Lord moved on uh, Gentry. Uh, and he and Brother Heron joined together in an extended fast, and they are. Uh, this is the final week of their extended fast that they are on, and this is uh, perhaps one of the most difficult uh, things that uh, I've ever watched and seen him do. And my wife and I, of course, have tried to fast along with him as much as possible, and this week I intend to continue to do so to try to be an encouragement uh, as they finish up this extended fast, and I know that God is going to do great things in their service tonight, so I do covet your prayers and appreciate your prayers. Our scripture text tonight takes place where Israel was in great affliction. A few weeks ago, I spoke on this same, uh, this same scriptural plot, if you please, um, and uh, of course, a complete different direction that I took rather than what I am taking tonight. But uh, Israel is in great affliction. Uh, as a nation, they are in great affliction. If you watch history, you will see the hand of God always upon his people. But just because the hand of God is upon them did not mean that the Lord did not allow them to go through some struggles and difficulties. As a matter of fact, here is the sad part of the story. And it is that the entire nation paid the price for the sinfulness of the few. Where we live today, we are living in a very trying time. And if I may be careful tonight, I, I want to preach what the Lord has laid upon my heart. But uh, the people of God, just because we go through tr trouble and sorrow and stress, just because we deal with difficulty, does not mean that we're out of the will of God. It means that God is allowing us for a season, for whatever reason it may be, to go through the test. But you can be assured that God will always bring his people through. There was even a time in Israel's life when the Lord allowed, the Lord actually brought conflict upon his people because they had turned from the Lord and they had turned to their own ways. And in this conflict, the Lord began to uh, become frustrated with, with Israel. And the scripture said that the Lord brought enemies against them and that the hand of the Lord defeated his own people. Now this is a very, very, 
difficult scripture to handle theologically. And tonight I want to be careful not to discourage you, but to encourage you. And to help you tonight see that where we are as a people, that uh, first we must recognize we're living in the last day. But we also must realize that some affliction that we deal with and that we face may be for a season that God is allowing the church to go through. Can I remind you tonight that the church has always prevailed in times of struggle. The church has always stood strong in the worst of times. As a matter of fact, the darker the night, the brighter the light of the church has always shone. Uh, the more difficult the day is, the greater the church, the, the greater the church has prospered. In the worst economic times, the church has always flourished. Be of good comfort tonight and be of good cheer. While I, I mentioned this morning and I'll mention again tonight that Wednesday night I intend to speak candidly to you about some things that will face this church in the next little while and some of the struggles and difficulties and how we are going to handle them and what we're going to do to prepare for them and how we are planning to move forward. But tonight I want to take a little time to remind you that God's people have always been under the attack of the enemy. If the enemy is not fighting you, you might better check and find out which side you're on. The people of God will always be afflicted by the enemy of God. Let me help you to understand tonight that the enemy of God is the enemy of God's people. The Antichrist is the enemy of God and the enemy of God's people. The Antichrist is not only against God himself, but he is against the church. And what we must recognize is that even in the early church, that the spirit of Antichrist had even gotten inside the church. It existed even in the beginning of the church, and it still exists today. There are often good, well-meaning people that get out of sync and out of step with the will of God and allow the enemy to work through them and they become a tool in the enemy's hand to bring about a negative impact upon God's people and upon what God is trying to do. The enemy of God is the enemy of God's people and the enemy of God's people will always be the enemy of of God. Don't ever forget that when people raise their hand against God's people, that they are raising their hand against God. God will always fight for you. Don't ever think that he will leave you to fend for yourself. For when it is impossible with you, it is still possible with the Lord. In our text tonight, we find Israel at a trying time when the taskmasters of Egypt are oppressing them, coming against them, afflicting them, bringing them down, 
bringing them to a point of breaking, if you please. They finally began to cry out to the Lord. Remember, it was of Israel's own doings that Israel ended up in the mess that they were in. And it was of Israel's own doings after the Lord brought them out of bondage that they murmured and complained because they thought it was better under the bondage of the taskmasters than it was living in the blessings of God. Now I come tonight to tell you that the Lord knows exactly where we are. Don't think that what is happening in this world is happening in the absence of God's watchful eye. For God is paying close attention to what is going on in this world and He is paying close attention to what is going on among His people. He is paying close attention to you and He is paying close attention to me. He knows our affliction. Our text picks up tonight with the Lord saying of Israel, Surely I have seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. Can I tell you tonight that I hear the voice of God crying out to the Christian world of today and declaring, Surely I see what lies ahead. Surely I know what the future holds. And yes, I hear the cry of my people. Can I pause for a moment and tell you that what frightens me more than what is facing the church is how the church is facing what is facing us. It is because we are attempting to face what faces us of our own abilities, of our own doings, and of our own hands. But tonight can I remind you that the only thing that is going to see us through these last days and these trying times is when the church of the living God finds themselves back in a place of prayer, back in a place of relationship with God, back in a place where, oh God, if it has to be, I suppose it has to be, but I do believe in these last days that the things that are going to come against the church is going to push the church to a point of us having to be on our knees because it is the only way that we're going to face tomorrow. The reason we're not all on our face today is because it hasn't come against us like it's going to come against us. And it's going to call us to a point that we're going to have to get on our knees before the Lord and once again return as a people to prayer. When the church begins to cry, when Zion travails, the scripture said, she will bring forth children. Can I tell you that there is a relationship between the cry of Zion and church growth? I'm going to tell you when the greatest revival is going to come to this, to this church and to the apostolic movement. It is when the oppression of God's people reach a point that Zion begins to travail. Why is it we're not seeing the revival that we ought to see? Because Zion's not travailing. Because Zion is not looking for a breakthrough. We're still trying to do it on our own. 
But let me tell you tonight that when the church begins to pray and when the church begins to cry, that the scripture said that the Lord saw the affliction of his people which were in Egypt and he heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for the Lord knew their sorrows. Let me come tonight to tell you that whatever may face us in the future is nothing in comparison to the mighty hand of God. When the people of God begin to pray, begin to fast, begin to seek the face of God, we are preparing ourselves for God to turn his face toward his people because the enemy of God's people are the enemy of God. Is it possible today for us to recognize the fact of where we are? Do we truly understand that God sees our affliction? And is it possible tonight for us to recognize that God hears our cry? And is it possible tonight for us to recognize that God knows our sorrows? You're not alone. The church is not alone. You're not in this battle by yourself. For the Lord has paid attention to the cries of his people. Can I call the church to deeper prayer than ever before? Can I call the church to focus in on, on, on paying attention to what's happening around us and instead of taking it to battle on every medium possible that we take it to battle through prayer? And that we begin to cry out to the Lord and begin to declare, God, without you we can't do this. But through you we can do anything. And when the church begins to cry out, God is going to come down. Verse 8 declares that the Lord said, I will come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. When I read that text, I, I happen to see a father that is watching his child be abused and be pushed around and, and, and be gawked and marked and, 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 and things forced upon them that, that, that no father would want to ever see forced upon their child. And the Lord said, I am coming down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Can I tell you tonight when the cry of the church goes up before God, get ready for the delivering hand of God to come down upon those that are oppressing the church of the living God. The Lord's going to show up and he's going to say, I'm showing up because you're not going to take advantage of what I paid a price for, of what I bled and died for, for these are my people and I am their God. Don't ever forget this. God will come to wherever you are. Pastor, you don't know fully maybe what I'm facing, what I'm going through, what I'm dealing with. Let me tell you tonight that whatever you're dealing with, God can get to where you are. You may feel like you can't get to God, but God can get to you. There was a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, and she was brought to Jesus. And they asked her to try to trap him in his own words. What they were to do to her. I want you to pay attention to how the Lord handled the situation of this sin. In that day, in that society, in that culture. 
the sin of adultery was punishable by death. She should have been stoned. They brought her to the Lord and said, What should we do to this woman? And the scripture gives us just a tad of insight into the physical realm of Jesus. And the Bible said that Jesus knelt down on the ground and begins to write on the ground. In other words, Jesus came to where she was. He did not participate in her sin, but he bowed himself and included himself into what she was involved in and began to write on the ground. He involved himself in the filth of the world to come down to where we are. Can I tell you tonight that no matter what is going on in society, that the Lord will involve himself in everything that is going on. Can I speak to the one tonight who may have fallen? Can I speak to the one tonight who may be discouraged? Can I speak to the one tonight that may feel like your prayers are going unanswered? Can I preach to the one tonight that may feel like there's no hope for you? Let me tell you that the Lord will come to where you are. And the Lord will speak into your situation tonight. And the Lord will deliver you tonight. But you've got to make up your mind that you are going to go to where he is and going to seek him. His counsel and his will. There is a response for us that we must do first. And when we make that first response, be assured God will take the next step. Listen to why the Lord comes to where we are. Verse 8 says, And he would bring them up out of the land unto a good land. In other words, they're already in a land, but he's going to bring them out of that land into a good land, a large, and a land that is flowing with milk and honey. I'm not sure about land flowing with milk and honey. It doesn't even sound appetizing to me. But evidently, something grand is in a land that flows with milk and honey. For it was a promise that the Lord had made unto them that it would be a land that was going to flow with milk and honey. It was a land of provision. It was a land of hope. It was a land of promise. It was a land of help. It was a land of prosperity. It was a land of blessing. Let me encourage somebody tonight and tell you that the Lord wants to bring you from where you are into a land that is a land of blessing. He wants to change your position from a land to a land of blessing. He wants to change you from a land of discomfort to a land of blessing. He wants to change you from a land of sickness to a land of health. He wants to move you from a land of poverty to a land of wealth. He wants to move you from a land of discouragement to a land of encouragement. He wants to move you from where you are into a place where you're going to find the abundant blessings of God. I come tonight to preach to somebody. You've got to allow God to get to where you are. Quit running from him. Quit hiding 
hiding from him and allow God to come to where you are. For when you bombard heaven with your prayer, he will hear your cry. He will come to where you are and he will bring you up out of the land that you are in and he will take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. Let me say it to you like this tonight. What God has for you is better than what you had planned for yourself. Mm. I want you to get that tonight because what you had planned for yourself may have been good, but the Lord has taken you to something better. That's what he has in mind for you. The enemy would like for you to believe that you have to bargain with, with him and compromise with him for your deliverance. But I come against a spirit tonight that says that the devil is in charge of our deliverance. Satan is not in charge of deliverance. He's never been in charge of deliverance. Go to the word of God and find one place where the devil said no when God said let them go. And, 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 and the, the devil said no. Oh, I know what you're thinking right now. We're going to go there in just a minute because the Lord spoke to Pharaoh and, and the Lord spoke to Moses said go down and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he said no, I'm not going to let them go. And the Lord said then I'll have to deal with them on the nature in which they have chosen to stand against what I wanted and what I spoke. Can I tell you tonight that whatever God has written or whatever God has spoken, you can rest assured that it will always come to pass. Get on the word of God. Stand on the word of God. It will always be true. Let every man be a liar, but let the word of God stand true. When God speaks it, it will come to pass. God is in control of your deliverance. Satan is not in control of your deliverance. If he dare to argue with God over your deliverance, he is going to be in big problems. When Jesus cast demons out of the man who dwelt among the tombs, pay attention here. There are many innuendos and many different directions we could go into here. Jesus did not deal with the man that dwelt among the tombs. Watch. When you get home, read it. Read it in all the different, in the, all the different passages. You're going to see this so clearly. Jesus did not deal with the man. He dealt with the spirit. Hmm. The longer I pastor and the more I deal and work with people and try to help people, the more I realize to ignore the person and deal with the spirit. I love every one of you, but there's some spirits that manifest every now and then that there is a spirit in me that rises up and says, you need to deal with that spirit. And sometimes I walk to this pulpit. I'm going to reiterate something that I said a few weeks ago. I never walk to this pulpit trying to grind an axe with any person. But I do walk to this pulpit sometimes attempting to bust the devil right between the eyes and deal with the spirit that is trying to take over. Jesus did not deal with the man at the tomb. He dealt with the spirit. And when he spoke, he did not speak to the man, but he spoke to the spirit that was in the man. And the spirit spirit in the man said why have you come here you come to torment me that was not 
the man speaking. It was a spirit speaking through the man. Oh, I feel the help of the Lord tonight. I hope you're getting what I'm preaching to you tonight. Don't ever get hung up hating somebody because of what they say or how they act or what they do. They have got to be saved. Jesus didn't deal with the man. He dealt with the spirit. And when he spoke to the spirit, they said, let us. Many. Let us go to the swine. Jesus looks around and says, well, let's see who else this is going to hinder. That looks like a good place for you to go. Go. Now, wait a second. We're going to bargain. <laughs> Don't you kid yourself. That when the Lord steps on the scene when it comes to deliverance and the Lord begins to deal with the spirits and the powers of this age and of this day, don't ever get sidetracked and get to hating on people and get to thinking that it's people's fault. It is spirits that is working inside of people that is manifesting itself and they are acting ways and saying things and doing things they ought to not do and acting ways they ought to not act and they are opposing. They think they're opposing you, but instead they are opposing themselves. I'm going to talk about it Wednesday night. They are opposing themselves. And when they oppose themselves, they also are opposing what God is trying to do in them and through them and to them and for them. And when they oppose God, they are in big trouble. Satan doesn't control your deliverance. God controls your deliverance. Mm. I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost so powerful tonight. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody doesn't get healed while I'm preaching tonight. Because Satan doesn't control your healing. Because when God speaks healing, when God speaks healing, sickness cannot stay. When God speaks into your situation, the devil can't hold it. The devil can't hold it. Oh, that one tonight that's struggling with an addiction. When God speaks into that addiction, that addiction cannot hold you. God speaks and it must go. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise tonight. seated just for a moment. So God sent Moses on a mission. Moses didn't approach the task with an ounce of doubt. He argues with God that he couldn't do what God had called him to do. But the Lord told him, you just go do a work. There is a little something in that text, Brother Danny, that I, it has been an encouragement to me 
all through my ministry. Because the Lord told Moses, you lead them out of Egypt. Everybody say lead them. The Lord said you lead them out of Egypt. And then he said, I will deliver them out of the hand of the enemy. You know why I can stand and preach so bold? Because all the Lord told me to do is you go lead them. I'm in charge of deliverance. You just lead them. You just pray the prayer of faith. I will heal the sick. You just lay hands on them. I will recover them. You just preach the truth to them. I will save them. You just lead them. I will deliver them. I come tonight to tell somebody, if you'll just get out of your prideful self and allow God to deal with you tonight, God can deliver you. He can forgive you. He can turn your life around. He can bless you. He can place you on a new path. But you've got to allow God to work in your life. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise. There's two things that happens when Moses goes to Pharaoh. First is he refuses, and that's never a smart thing to do when God speaks or when God's man speaks. The first thing, he refuses. And that didn't work out very well for him. <laughs> they had more frogs than they could fry. They had more flies than they could swat. The plagues were so many and so great that they had never seen anything like it before. When people refuse God, I want to just sit back sometimes and watch and say, watch this show. <laughs> this is not going to turn out well for them. Because when people refuse God, they are opening themselves up to the judgment of the Lord. Oh, we live under grace. Yes, we do. But God has always been able to transpose time. Because pay attention, when, when the woman was caught in the act of adultery that I told you about a few minutes ago, they were living under the law. She should have been stoned. Jesus transcends the law, steps into the dispensation of grace and says, neither to, do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. <laughs> so under the dispensation of grace, if you think God cannot cast judgment, you are fooling your own self because God can at any point that he wants step through and say, I'll send them just a little bit. Just a little finger wave of judgment upon them and I can, I can let them know. The second thing that he did when refusing didn't work out very well was he then offered a compromise to Moses. Can I have freedom to preach a few minutes? I had somebody come to me one time. They don't go to church here any longer. 
had someone come to me one time and said, Pastor, I'm going through a really hard time. Uh, would you excuse me from paying my tithing for the next three months? I want to still maintain my position in the church and do all the things, but I want to be excused because I've got some things that I really want to do and, you know, I need to buy a new truck and I'm going to take my family on a vacation and do some things and I, I just want to be straight up with you. I want to be excused from paying my tithing. And I said to them, you are asking me? To excuse you from a commandment that I didn't put in Scripture? I'm an under-shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. You're asking me to excuse you from being obedient to the word of God? If you choose not to pay your tithes for the next three months, get ready. No telling what's going to happen. It wasn't but a few days they pulled in in a new car. And their world spun out of control in the next three months. And they have been five or six years trying to recover. What they wanted pastor to step out of the role of pastor and step into the role of God. There's a point to what I'm about to say to you tonight. If you come looking to me for my approval to excuse something that God has clearly ordained in Scripture, number one, hound dog, you barking up the wrong tree. Because I understand my role. And I'm not going to step out of line of authority with the word of God. Because when God speaks some things, you better pay attention. It doesn't matter if pastor approves it, mama and daddy approves it, grandma and grandpa approves it, aunt and uncle approves it, and 387 followers on Facebook approve it. Doesn't make it right if it is in opposition to the word of God. Never compromise with the things of God. If God has said it, stand firm on it. Declare it in the name of the Lord. Do what thus saith the word of God. I feel better. Satan cannot hold what God has already set free. When God spoke that promise into your life 30 years ago, it's still a promise of God, and it's still going to come to pass. We laid my mother to rest 18 years ago. And shortly before she passed, she said to me, the Lord 
made a promise to me. And he promised me that my son, who was then not living right and walking with the Lord, he promised me that my son would be saved. And I will go to my grave believing it. She said, if I go to my grave and don't see it, I want you to rejoice for me when he comes back home. Because I found it to be true. When God promises. It wasn't but a few years later that my brother found his way back to the altar. She may not have been alive to see it, but when God gives a promise, stand on it. When God has spoke something into your life, ladies and gentlemen, you better stand on it. If it was of God, it will come to pass. Accuse, abuse, throw around, but Satan cannot hold what God has promised. He can hold it back. God will perform his word. Oh, would somebody give God a shout of praise in the house? Somebody ought to speak the name of Jesus over your situation tonight. Somebody ought to just cry out the name of the Lord over your situation tonight. You need healing. You need a home put back together. You need a financial miracle. You need to just begin to call on the name of Jesus tonight. Come on, call on the name of Jesus tonight. He's in charge of your deliverance. You need healing tonight. Speak the name of Jesus over it. By the power in the name of Jesus, let it come to pass. The Lord wants to set somebody free tonight. The Lord wants to do a work tonight. The Lord wants to deliver somebody tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, let's just reach out to the Lord for a few minutes. Stand with me all over the room. Let's just reach out to the Lord for a few minutes. I've got more preaching to do, but God's wanting to work tonight. God is wanting to work in your life tonight. The enemy can't hold back what God's trying to do. The only thing that can hold back what God is wanting to do is you. If you'll stop resisting the Lord and you'll yield to the Lord, everything in your life will turn around. Everything in your life will straighten out. Your home will straighten out. Your marriage will straighten out. Your finances will straighten out. Your ministry will turn around. Your, your life will be blessed beyond measure. I'm reaching for somebody tonight. You ought to already be in the altar. You ought to already have these altars jam-packed full tonight. God is wanting to work. The Lord is speaking deliverance into somebody's life tonight. The Lord is wanting to help somebody tonight. It's a work that nobody but God can do. And nobody but you can prevent him from doing it. Come on, reach out to him tonight. Reach out to him tonight. Oh, yes.